Advocacy for Inclusion's Staying Connected podcast series. Last year, we presented a podcast series on supported decision-making. That was about building the important skills we need to support other people when they're making decisions. 2019 feels like a million years ago now. Since then, we've had bushfires everywhere, and then the relief of rain. Now, we together face the challenge of COVID-19 or the coronavirus. In our Staying Connected podcast, we will find our way through these challenging times together. The right to a safe and healthy environment, a right that we all have and that relies on all of us stepping up together with a sense of mutual care and obligation, relies on adequate training and resources and support, both financial and psychological, for the many disability support workers who carry out vital work every day in the homes of people with disability. A report's recently been produced by the University of Melbourne's Disability and Health Unit. The report's title is Disability Support Workers, the Forgotten Workforce in COVID-19. It's an important report that delivers 11 recommendations, which we will look at in this podcast. Uh, Generally speaking, this report from the University of Melbourne is a follow-on from a survey that they sent out to disability support workers across the nation. So it's a nationwide survey. And it was a survey that was all about finding out from disability support workers uh, information about their experience of physical distancing, COVID-19 infection control training, access to and purchase of personal protective equipment, testing for COVID-19, who they worked with and where they provided support, and also looking into financial and psychological stresses that disability support workers might be experiencing right now. So there were 357 disability support workers from around Australia who um, engaged with the survey. 83% were women, 81% were born in Australia, and the age range was from 18 to 75. Um, 31% were over the age of 50. And that's actually a significant statistic in terms of vulnerability to COVID-19 and the impact that it can have. So an older workforce is going to be more vulnerable Um, to the impact and long-term health repercussions of COVID-19. All right, so when we get into the 11 recommendations in the report, recommendation one, that governments consider updating their guidelines regarding personal protective equipment use among disability support workers, particularly for disability support workers working in areas where community transmission is high. So basically from the survey and particularly looking at what's going on in Victoria right now, um, the emphasis is on stepping up the use of personal protective equipment um, in situations particularly where the transmission rate is high. Recommendation two, that governments are more proactive in reaching out to disability support workers so that they receive the training they require. Now, In the survey results is quite a startling and and somewhat troubling statistic, and that's that 
23% of the people who engaged with the survey, so 20, nearly a quarter of the people responding to the survey, had not received any training about COVID-19 at all. 23%. So governments need to be more proactive in getting the training out there. Resources on government websites need to be more actively promoted. Disability support workers need clear information and detailed training about whether, when and how personal protective equipment is used, including simulated training, not just information online, before being expected to work in high-risk situations such as a COVID-19 positive environment. So again, one of the things that was highlighted um, in the survey findings was that, yes, there is some training out there, but it's generally online training or written resources. And when we're talking about personal protective equipment, we're talking about physically having to get things right and get masks in place correctly. And that actually lends itself more to a direct training rather than some uh, watching a video online. Recommendation three. In areas where community transmission is high, all disability support workers should have access to appropriate personal protective equipment, at a minimum masks, without cost to themselves. Governments need to make urgent decisions about access to personal protective equipment for workers elsewhere in Australia. So again, another somewhat startling statistic was that 90% of the people who engaged with this survey purchased their personal protective equipment themselves. So out of their own pocket. And these are low-paid workers forking out their own money to get personal protective equipment so they can do their job. So recommendation um, three saying, you know, we need to give the people who are frontline workers the appropriate equipment for their own health safety and for the health safety of the people they're supporting. Recommendation four that governments make clear that disability support workers are a priority group for testing along with healthcare and aged care workers. So we need to make sure that disability support workers are there towards the front of the line when it comes to getting tested because we need to know whether they've got COVID-19 or not. Recommendation five, paid pandemic leave is available to all disability support workers who do not have access to paid sick leave and need to self-isolate or quarantine while waiting for a test result or because they have COVID-19 or are a contact of a known case. So paid pandemic leave, it makes sense. And that's really coming off the fact that when we're talking about disability support workers, we're actually talking about a casualised workforce. So these are people who their income's based on the shifts that they work and when their shifts are cancelled, there's no money. And so there's a certain degree of desperation in turning up for a shift to get the money they need to pay their bills, to put food on their table, to keep a roof over their head. So there's a whole lot of financial pressure there. So we need to have paid pandemic leave for casual workers as, as well as for other workers. Recommendation six. Governments and providers should ensure disability support workers minimise the total number of people they support and the number of settings they provide support in to reduce risk of transmission among multiple people with disabilities and disability support workers, as has been witnessed in aged care facilities. 
Particular attention should be paid to identifying workers who work for more than one provider and or work across multiple group settings. So 14% of respondents to the survey work for more than one provider, so more than one disability organisation. 30% work in, in two or more settings. So just as with aged care, there are a lot of disability support workers who, in order to earn the money they need to live their lives, they're working for a number of organisations and they're working in a number of settings. And of course, that, is, that, that creates a vulnerability. So somebody who gets COVID-19, if they're working in a number of settings, then the chances of transmission increase. So that's an area that needs to be looked at and tackled by government. Recommendation seven. Government needs to prioritise ensuring financial security of this essential workforce through extension of JobKeeper or similar supports and paid pandemic leave. Without this, it may not be financially viable for many disability support workers to remain in their current jobs, resulting in an impediment to creating surge capacity in the workforce and an impediment to long-term growth. What's happening at the moment, as is evident in the results from this survey, is people's um, shifts are being cancelled, and understandably so, where there's concerns around COVID-19. So people's shifts are being cancelled, and for casual workers, that means less income, less money's coming into their homes. And so 20% of respondents reported that they could not pay a bill or they couldn't pay their mortgage, and a number went without meals. So we actually have disability support workers going without a meal because they can't afford it. So we need to get things right financially for these people because we need them to be available and to be able to work when the work is there. We need this workforce. They're essential and we need to treat them in that way. Recommendation 8. Governments and service providers need to provide mental health support to disability support workers and comprehensive infection control training and access to personal protective equipment. So people are working, providing support, doing their jobs, but it is highly stressful. There's financial vulnerability, not always knowing whether the money's going to come in to cover the costs from one week to the next. There's mental health pressures. So there's the stress of the unknown, something that we're all experiencing to some degree. But frontline workers, they're experiencing a double dose of that. The results found that when it came to the people who responded to this survey, 16% were identified as having probable serious mental illness. And that's a significant percentage of the workforce. Recommendation 9. That governments identify and have on standby a skilled health care workforce that can be rapidly deployed to work alongside disability support workers or replace them supporting clients infected with COVID-19 as has been deployed in aged care. Recommendation 10. A surge workforce of disability support workers fully trained in infection control is created to provide backup where needed potentially from later year medical and nursing students. Recommendation 11. That governments and service providers consider options to temporarily rehouse residents in group homes where infections have occurred to separate infected and non-infected residents. 
Basically, we need to get our act together in every state, in every territory and nationally. We need to have our act together in terms of having clear, coherent planning. Plan for the worst. Hopefully the worst won't happen, but plan for the worst. Know exactly what we're going to do when things get complicated, when COVID-19 spreads rapidly, as we're seeing currently in Victoria. Now, we certainly can live with the hope that what's happening in Victoria won't be happening nationally, but we need to be prepared for that worst-case scenario. So these 11 recommendations from the University of Melbourne's report, they're vital. They're vital recommendations, and they need to be uh, seen and processed by government, by government departments. They need to be taken into our planning and preparation when it comes to this COVID-19 experience that we're all going through right now. We need to do the right thing by people with disability and that actually means doing the right thing by people who support them, by the disability support workers who are out there right now today providing the essential support that's needed uh, for people with disability.